This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director for the Knowledge at Wharton website. Selfies have become ubiquitous in the social media age, but all of those posed photos might be impacting how others see us in a way that we didn't intend. Wharton marketing professor Jonah Berger is here today to discuss his latest research, which studies the perception of posed photos versus candidates. Jonah, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. So first of all, what inspired this study? Was it a selfie or was it something else? <laughs> you know, uh, there are so many photos today uh, that are taken out there. And if you think about how we form impressions of other people. It used to be meeting them face-to-face, but that's not really the case anymore. Most of how we form those first impressions of people, whether it's people we're hiring for a job, whether it's potential friends, whether it's even people we're getting to know on a different level, is from their online profiles, the photos they take of themselves and of of other people. And so we're interested in, well, how do those photos affect how people see you? Uh, And could something as subtle as whether that photo is, say, candid or posed, impact the way that people see you and whether they want to be friends with you and whether they want to hire you. Now, when you were doing the study, you kind of simulated what we might go through when we're either meeting someone on social media through a friend request or possibly when we're on Tinder, trying to decide if we want to date someone. And you found some interesting things, both about what people thought about candidates versus pose, but also how we viewed them for other people versus how, what we thought is best for ourselves. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So first of all, we looked at what people actually do. So we looked at thousands of different posts from uh, websites like Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, dating websites like OkCupid, uh, group websites, sort of meetup websites. And across all those different platforms, we found something very much the same, which is most photos that people post are posed photos, uh, photos of them looking at the camera, smiling, uh, looking a particular way, presenting themselves in a varnished uh, way to others, uh, taking... You you know, 10 photos and picking the best one that makes them look good to their peers. What's interesting, though, is that would suggest that that photo makes you look the best, that by sharing those post photos, you're not only looking good, but you're helping others get to know you and making them want to interact with you. But we actually found something that wasn't entirely in line with that. So what did you find? You'd Maybe we should not be doing our post photos, yeah. which so surprised me. <laughs> if you ask posters, uh, you ask them which one they would choose. You ask them to take a photo of themselves, which one they would post, which one they think other people would like more, whether it's getting to know them better, whether it's getting to date them, or whether it's want to hire them. People have this intuition that pose photos are better. And that is because as a photo taker, you think a lot about how you come off to others. And you think by controlling that, by controlling the lighting and your smile and the way that you're looking, you're presenting your best self. But as an observer, someone's actually looking at those photos, what we found was quite surprising. And that is that candidates, photos where someone isn't looking directly at the camera or looks like they're not posing for for a photo, actually lead to better impressions. People are more interested in getting to know someone, more interested in dating them, uh, and potentially more interested in being friends with them if that person has a candid rather than posed photo. And the reason why is actually somewhat surprising, but simple once you hear it. And it's all about authenticity or whether someone is genuine. We think that by posting pose photos, people are getting the best version of us. But we don't realize is when people see that best version, they don't really have a good sense of who we are. Sure, there are a lot of photos online of people looking perfect and smiling, but that doesn't really tell us much about them because they all look the same. It's everyone presenting their best self, not their real self. As observer, we want to know, well, what's your real self? If I'm going to be friends with you, if I'm going to date you, I don't know what you look like on your best day. I want to look like most of the time. And so they actually prefer those candid photos because they're more genuine and they're seen as more authentic. And so I think that has a lot of implications both for us posting photos, but also for companies and organizations as well. It's funny because I would say if I was meeting someone for the first time, I would want them to know the real me. But I actually looked through my Facebook feed after reading your study, and I have almost 
all post photos as my profile picture. Yeah. And so for people like for people like me, I guess these days, I mean, often social media is like the entree for to someone meeting you and whether it's personally or even for a job, because these days, you know, recruiters or hiring managers, they're looking at social media. So for this research, does this mean we need to all start finding some candid photos? I mean, what does this mean for sort of this personal identity management that we're all kind of having to do online these days? Yeah. So what I would say is if we're picking a candid or a post photo, thinking what to do, we should think twice about just posting a post photo. Uh, it depends a little bit on the situation we're uh, appealing to. Uh, for example, dating may be a little bit different than getting a job, and it depends on what we're hiring someone for potentially, but that we often underestimate the benefit uh, of a candid photo. And actually, candids can have an advantage over posed photos in, in many situations. And so for those situations, we need to think about not just, well, whether we like the way we look, but whether the people who see us like the way that we look. Because that's the question, right? Are we posting those photos for ourselves? Probably not. We're posting them online. We want other people to see them. Well, how will they affect the judgments that others make? And will those judgments lead to the outcomes we're hoping for? So we got to kind of get out of our heads a little bit and think less about, oh, my gosh, can you see my mole or something like that? And yeah. more about what am I trying to project to this person? And is a post photo really the best way to do this? Yeah. I mean, I think I like the word varnished and unvarnished, those two words, because I think they're quite accurate. You know, the way that social media today is everyone takes dozens of photos and picks the best one. They only post things that are really positive that they've done. They ignore all the negative of things that happened. They project this lifestyle, almost like this brand uh, of themselves. And in some ways that's good in that other people might think that you're great, but really once everybody does that, people recognize that you're not actually what you're posting, that that's a, a small sample of, of who you actually are. And by getting this unvarnished perspective, both because we don't get it all the time, but also because it gives us some insight into who that person really is, we value that. Because your unvarnished photo is going to be different than my unvarnished photo. And so we really feel like we've learned something more about someone. And that genuineness or that authenticity makes us want to learn more. I mean, it did strike me when I was thinking about it is that candid photos are, you know, they're harder to get. I mean, I can't take a selfie candid photo at least not yet. So <laughs> does this mean we need to be working harder to try and if, if we know someone's taken a candid photo of us to kind of start going after those and collecting them? Or you also have something in the research about that sometimes something that's candid might not really be candid. It just yeah. looks that way. Yeah. So first of all, you can pose a candid photo, right? Uh, and if you look on a LinkedIn or on a Facebook or on some of these other sites, you do see profiles where someone's staring off into the distance, but you wonder whether they set up a camera to, to, to take that photo. And what's really important on the observer side, uh, as you noted, is not just whether the photo is candid or not, but whether they believe that it was candid or not. And so if you take a perfectly posed candid photo where someone can tell that you're faking it, it's not going to have the impact because the question is not whether you're looking at the camera or not. It's whether it seems like it's really you. And so as long as you can take a posed photo that looks candid, it's going to have the same impact as a candid one. And so whether that's having our friends take photos whether where we're not really looking uh, or having a camera or, you know, uh, setting up something to take a, a photo of us after a delay when we're not looking, either of those can have a positive benefit. Now, in terms of businesses, what can businesses, how can businesses apply this research? I mean, one thing that struck me when I was reading the paper is you think about, you know, the About Us page for any company where you have the perfectly quaffed pictures of all of the senior management. So, I mean, does this mean they should be changing this or even, I guess, among teams if they're introducing them to each other this way? 
how would this how could how could they change what they're doing as part of this research? Yeah. And, and so I think I'd be careful to say everyone should take a candid photo all the time because mm-hmm. we did collect some data saying, for example, when you're looking for a job, uh, we can think about both how genuine someone seems and how authentic they are, but also how competent uh, they are, how serious they are. And so if I'm hiring someone to do a very serious job, I don't just want to know that they're authentic. I want to know that they're good at their job and, and they're highly competent. Uh, and I want to know that they're thinking appropriately about what the situation is. Uh, if you're applying for a very serious role, someone's going to expect you to walk in uh, with a tie on, for example. I remember uh, my own experience in college doing a job interview with a consulting firm uh, and I didn't get a second round interview. And I said, well, why didn't I get a second round? Would you mind helping me for some feedback? And they said, well, you know, a lot of people were all pretty good and you weren't wearing a tie. So we decided not to pick you. And I, I appreciated the honestness of that feedback, but they were sort of saying, look, you know, we needed to pick someone um, and ties were something we used. And so, uh, you know, if you're an individual uh, looking for a very serious role um, and uh, you want to be taken seriously, maybe think about a pose photo some of the time. If you're in advertising, uh, if you're a marketing professional, if you're in a more creative role, uh, if you're trying to stand out from the crowd, all of those are cases where being candid might be more valuable. And so we can imagine kind of two routes that, that matter. One is this sort of how genuine or authentic is someone, and another is how competent they are. And you can take candidates, by the way, that don't make you look incompetent, but I think making sure you're within the bounds of increasing that competence while also seeming genuine can have the benefits of both. Or even I would think like taking, a, if you're going to use a candid, something that's sort of relevant to the business position. Like if I'm trying to, I don't know, apply for a job that is somewhat serious, probably the photo of me, not that there is one of these, photo of me moshing at a concert is yes. not the best one. Not the most relevant. But maybe me, you know, mountain climbing might be depending on the role. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, you do see a number of firms that have done this where they're not just taking sort of stock images. They are doing something more interesting. And it's also true that because they're unusual, a little less usual, they get more attention. Um, you know, I, I spend a lot more time looking at those pages when the images are interesting and different than just the person smiling at the camera wearing a tie that could be one of a thousand other people. And so that extra attention may be a benefit as well. Now, what about other applications here for advertising? I mean, I think we've all seen advertisements where you know it's a stock photo. Yes. Maybe because you've seen it in other advertisements. Yeah. So can companies, should companies be thinking about this in terms of their ads and how they're picking the images that they use? Yeah. There's a great, uh, as a side note, there was a great piece of research recently looking at how stock images have changed, particularly of women over time, and looking at the most popular stock image of women, say, 10 years ago was sort of a woman in a spa, and now it's a woman mountain climbing. And so the way these stock images are used really change our perceptions uh, of of the world. You know, in terms of how this relates to brands uh, and and marketing and companies and organizations, um, to me, there's a big parallel, not always that we're taking photos of ourselves, but authenticity. Um, and I think I do a lot of work in social media, a lot of work on word of mouth, uh, have a book on the topic called Contagious, uh, Why Things Catch On. And what we forget about is that we can't just post ads online and assume that people will share them. I've worked with lots of brands, you know, big companies, organizations that have 10 million followers on Twitter, and they look at the number of uh, retweets that they, their posts get, and it gets 10 or 12 or 15. Why is no one sharing it? Because they took their regular ad, they posted it online, and they assume that people would want to share it. People don't want to share an ad. They don't want to share something that looks completely varnished. They want to share something that looks authentic, that looks real. Coke has done a great job, for example, of, of uh, building these sort of uh, uh, situations 
situations where people hug a Coke machine and they get a free soda or, you know, other stuff comes out of a machine like a sandwich or pizza and everyone has a great time. And they post these online and people share them because they're emotional and they're real. Uh, and so I think as brands, as we take the learning away from this, we need to think about are we coming across in an authentic way, particularly on social media, particularly online. It's not enough to be varnished. We have to be authentic. No one's going to share something if it seems like a perfectly boxed thing that we've created. That's paid media. It's not going to work online. To get that earned media to work for us, we have to be authentic and we have to understand why people share. I mean, we think a lot about like, I mean, a lot of brands are turning towards even user generated content. Like I know I had a friend this summer that she posed, she, she posted a picture of herself with like this unicorn shaped swimming like pool raft yep. and she posed with it and then the company said oh well can we use that yeah. in one of our instagram oh, posts yeah. because you know you're a real customer yeah and i mean that says a number of things one we can do it more cheaply then we may not have to sure. do an overproduced ad than we could have before we can use user generated content uh and share it on our own posts but two you know it might not make sense to spend all that money sometimes a lower production value might actually increase sharing online it doesn't need to look perfect it can look more like sort of found footage or something along those lines uh, you know, that can often be better in making it seem real and making people want to share it. So we have time for one more question. What's what's next for this research? What are you looking at for your next phase? Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of work on word of mouth and understanding why people share things, uh, whether they're sharing photos, whether they're sharing online content, whether they're things about themselves or or about brands. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we think about online is a little bit like the wild, wild west. Uh, we don't have a great understanding with it. Things are always changing, you know, uh, whether it's Vine or Instagram, things are coming and going. And to me, it's less about the technology and more about the psychology. People have been sharing things about themselves forever. Uh, maybe it wasn't photos online. Maybe it was something different. Uh, maybe it wasn't talking about brands. It was talking about them offline. But understanding that consumer and why people talk and share is just as, if not more important than sending the technology they do it on. Jonah, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You can find all of Knowledge of Wharton's podcast on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find us on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.